Hello, hello guys. Welcome back again. Thank you guys for joining me on Pandemic Watch. This is Stars. Of course, again, we'll be covering the major topic of the COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 outbreak, whatever the officials want to call it at this point. As we are all aware now, yesterday on March 13th, Friday the 13th actually, the USA has finally officially declared an emergency. It is now declared a national emergency here in the US thanks to Trump. The meeting was a little wild. We had the head of Walmart corporations, Target corporations, uh, the lead of vaccine response. Of course, Trump was there, Pence was there, the head of defense. It was a lot of action, a lot of stuff. Really recommend watching that video. Lots of signs there. Um, before we get started, of course, I wanted to go ahead and make a really quick disclaimer. Uh, as usual, my sources are always medically based, scientifically based. There is never any kind of bias towards the information I receive. All the sites and sources that I give are never commercialized. None of them will have advertisements in them. And as I give them out, of course, you guys can see that. I do want to apologize real quick as for as many times as I can remember doing this podcast, I've constantly succeeded in failing to give you guys the advice of grabbing a piece of paper and a pen or multiple pieces of paper as I usually do go through quite the amount of information for each topic. So not only do I recommend it, but I highly suggest that you do that. I invite you all to do that. Um, I do name out my sources very detailed like. I even spell them out for you literally so that way you can source them. So to restate the topic real quick, of course, we'll actually be going over the subject of nervous systemic infection. It was found, unfortunately, this was a topic that I've wanted to do, but I was hoping I would never have to do since it's on my podcast. We know that there is evidence, real evidence behind it, of course. So we'll go over that. Starting off here with the first source, it is www.xinhuanet.com. That's X-I-N-H-U-A-N-E-T.com. Make sure you check out the English page as this source is traditionally Chinese in origin. Sources say in Beijing, China on March 5th from Xinhua, Chinese doctors have proven for the first time that the novel coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, again, whatever people want to call it, can cause damage to patients' central nervous system. Doctors from the Deton Hospital in Beijing reported that they treated a man whose cerebrospinal fluid we'll call it CSF for short, was contaminated with the virus. CSF is pretty much just a clear fluid that can be found in your cerebrum and your central nervous system. The cerebrum is pretty much your brainstem. This is also found near your spinal column or all the nerves that follow down your spine. 
Our cerebrospinal fluid acts as a protective fluid barrier or a cushioning for our brain. The CSF where the virus was found in this patient is also a primary source of both mechanical and immunological protection for our brains from within inside the skull. What that means is not only does it protect the brain physically from harm, but it protects the brain in the sense that it allows it to trigger certain reactions to allow us to mobilize ourselves consciously, react to certain stimuli and behave the way that we do, allow our heat, cold, pain receptors all to work, and it also triggers hormonal releases to help fight things such as infection and disease. Now, the CSF in particular has the purpose of regulating immune cell entry and response into the central nervous system and brain. This means, again, just like with the ACE2 receptors, the virus is attacking directly the human immune system in not just one way, but so far two different strategies. Now, the CSF also is connected directly to the bloodstream, which also proves how the infected ACE2 receptors after the virus enters in, flows through the bloodstream and into our cerebral spinal fluid. If you wanna go into further information about our ACE2 receptors, I will direct you to my previous podcast on that certain subject. It is very important, and then you can interlink the data between these two podcasts together. I will restate this later. Now, also want to remind you that it connects in the form of infection by virus attacking another major part of our human immune system. This is very important information. Multiple studies have proven that the COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, virus, can attack multiple organs. That includes the kidneys, livers, and heart, just like how ACE2 infection triggers viral attack on our kidneys, livers, and heart. Pretty much revisiting the topic of the ACE2 receptors real briefly. ACE stands for angiotensin converting enzyme what they do is release certain hormones to help regulate the bloodstream blood flow volume of the blood and vasculation of our veins and arteries to help blood flow properly it also releases specific hormones including that from the pituitary gland hypothalamus which is in your throat the pituitary gland is called our god gland because it creates every hormone and controls every hormone release in our body and it also triggers certain reactions from our adrenal glands which is known as adrenaline also causing fatigue we won't go too more in depth into that subject as i've said earlier please check the previous podcast episode three on ace2 infection This also further supports that ACE2 infection and organ damage also results with this nervous system infection that there is a certain double tap attack on those three specific organs, the heart, kidneys, and liver, which is very unfortunate. 
However, although the double tap of bodily organ attacking is possible, we should all also keep in mind that there are no known specific sources confirming that this virus can damage the nervous system as of yet. But it does raise the concern that this virus's ability to infect nervous systems can easily reflect how it can hide from certain forms of viral testing, such as CT scans and basic swabbing procedures. It also greatly increases the amount of proof behind how this, di this virus might lie dormant in our bodies using the nervous system as a hiding mechanism, just like all other known coronaviruses have actually been proven to do. So, as stated before, this virus can't damage the nervous system. Or can it? This man, who had samples of his cerebral spinal fluid, was studied, was six, 56 years old of age. He developed severe symptoms, and he failed to respond in all regular treatment procedures, shown by all of his doctor's reports upon diagnostics and by doctor transcripts. He was placed into the ICU due to the nervous systemic infection. His symptoms were then leaked to a lack of consciousness, even though there were no abnormal signs on his cranial CT images. Again, I stress that CT scans will not trace its infection of the nervous system. Therefore, the medical staff of Deton Hospital then had to turn to the conducting of many tests, which included gene sequencing on the samples from his cerebral spinal fluid, or CSF again for short, and this confirmed the presence of the virus in his nervous system. His symptoms were so severe, unfortunately, they ended up diagnosing him with encephalitis, which is pretty much just an inflammation of the brain. Putting the brain into minor trauma, this also may link again with the zinc poisoning found from ACE2 receptors being compromised from initial infection, again linking those two sources of information together. If you want to visit and further connect the information again, I give here, please, please visit the previous podcast of my ACE2 receptor infection. It's only 16 minutes long, and it will also help you further interweave all of the information that I give between that podcast and this one. Returning to the basic subject here, after treatment of the viral encephalitis, the patient's neurological symptoms gradually actually began to disappear. This suggests that the treatment for brain swelling might actually help treat viral infection in the nervous system, which is a plus. I do want to note, though, that a month prior, on February 18th, these discoveries were found. This man was transferred to the infectious ward and discharged from the local hospital a month before his severe symptoms were shown. The reason he was released, of course, is they thought he recovered. Medical staff now need to take into precaution and consideration the possibility of nervous systemic infections and perform more cerebral spinal fluid tests to avoid any late coming diagnostics, again because basic swabbing procedures and CT scans will not show the virus. These newer symptoms could also raise the risk of fatalities in those who are severely infected. 
Also proving again that this virus has the capability to mutate, is forming new forms of infection and bodily harm, and is increasing its capabilities to develop more lethal symptoms. A month prior to these discoveries, again, this man was transferred from the infectious ward and discharged from the hospital. He was in quarantine. They let him go because he recovered. This is how the virus hides. You think you're recovered, it hides in your nervous system, and then boom, you have a nervous systemic infection. Researchers have also previously found that the SARS virus and the MERS virus can also invade patients' nervous system. Keep in mind again, this virus is mutated from the SARS virus, being that this virus infects ACE2 receptors like SARS, carrying advanced incubation period of the MERS virus as well. So again, just to briefly announce that ACE2 receptors are also commonly known as the SARS receptors because they're most prone to being infected by that virus, just like how this new virus is pretty much SARS 2.0, not the flu. So, in retrospect, not only is it proven by medical diagnostics and science, but also by physical tests of gene sequencing that actually happened in the hospital and the viral family tree, aka polygenic research, that this virus is not based on the flu, but more so on the SARS virus and has the capabilities to infect our nervous system as well as our immunoresponse systems in our body, which include the ACE2 receptors found deep in the alveoli of our lungs. Also to keep in mind, I did not put this down, but if you want to note this on paper now, the ACE2 receptors are not just found in your lungs. They cover, again, the heart, all of your intravenous system, which includes all veins and arteries of your body. They cover your liver, they cover your kidneys, and they also cover the base part of your stomach at the very bottom where it begins to connect to the small intestine and all of the small intestine. Thus further proving not only can it damage our ability to fight this virus by suppressing our immune system, but it also damages our ability to absorb nutrients through our body from the small intestine. Because again, that's the small intestine's primary job is to help absorb nutrients from food into the body. And it can't do that when there's ACE2 receptor failure releasing zinc poisoning into the small intestine and causing diarrhea and irritation, of course. Now, the hospital there also eventually offered medical care to 150 infected patients. Unfortunately, out of the 150 patients, one of them did end up having a case of brain inflammation, showing again that nervous system infection is possible, but also fairly rare. Unfortunately, though, as these viral developments are fairly new, as everything was just discovered a month ago, it shows the rate of increasing aggressive behavior behind this virus. And there's more and more forms of viral development as it starts to mutate. China's National Health Commission previously also unveiled the newest system of national diagnosis and treatment plans for their patients based on this new information. They released newer intel on the latest developing symptoms of this virus. 
This new viral disease can cause new symptoms, which include, again, congestion, but also edema, fluid buildup in the body, pretty much is what that is, and neuronal degeneration in brain tissue, which is pretty much the overall damaging of our nervous system little by little. And of course, as we've seen from not just one, but two confirmed cases so far, there may be more, of course, of brain inflammation. This also debunks the previous statement from the beginning that the nervous system does not get damaged. To start this new source here, before I go in, there was a field test made with over 214 patients. If you go to visit www.medrxiv.org, it is a medical diagnosis platform where they also conduct field searches and experiments for certain diseases and effects on patients as well. So it is actually a very good and solid source. These are the types of works that they usually do. I have here in detail the test results. I will try to simplify them as best as I can, but I feel that it's very important for us to try to absorb as much of this information as possible. Now again, newer testing in China of over 214 patients of those within the results 88 or 41.1% of those patients had severe cases and 126, 58.9 again were non-severe. This covers age ranges between 12 and up. So it is a very large demographic that they're covering. This isn't just the elderly. Also, compared with the non-severe patients, severe patients were typically older, anywhere between 58 and a half and up years older. Most of them had more underlying disorders, as usual, specifically hypertension, although 15.1% of the severe cases did not show hypertension. And it also showed less typical symptoms such as fever and cough. However, also 78 or 36.4 patients had neurological manifestations. That includes overall. More severe patients were likely to have a higher likelihood for those neurological symptoms about 45.5% of those. Now, this, these symptoms included acute cerebrovascular disease, which means it uh, triggered false responses between the brain and the heart. Uh, it also included impaired consciousness that affected about 14% of those. And more commonly, skeletal muscular injury, about 19.3%. And then of the um, less severe patients, 4.8% of them, or six of them, also had those conditions because it affects the way the brain functions and our physical motor skills. Again, keep in mind that these are just results of one large testing rather than multiple results from multiple testings. 
However, it is shown that the rate of nervous systemic presence and infection is growing with time and that symptoms are getting slightly more aggressive. It is becoming less like a basic flu virus and more lethal, as we've previously conducted. I do want to go over quickly a briefing on why that matters so much with all of this new information. This isn't coming from a source, but basically my own intel and my insight behind it. As we've seen here from the cases of people being sent home and then being found to be immediately reinfected anywhere between 10 days to a month after, which has been seen tens and tens of times specifically in China where the breakout first happened because they had so many clustered cases. I expect to see that globally as numbers begin to increase, people being sent home thinking they fully recovered or showing no more signs of physical symptoms end up being reinfected because this virus again carries the capabilities of hiding in your nervous system and then reinfecting the host or at least reinfecting the nervous system and causing nerval symptoms. Thanks again, you guys, for watching Pandemic Watch. This is all I wanted to go over. I hope you guys learned a lot. Please, please prepare if you have not already. We're beginning to see more medical documents and developments happening from this viral case. I urge you guys not to believe your local officials or people who are out there blabbing about this virus being so much like the flu. It obviously is not. Things are starting to progress. I do not think it is the time to be scared, but to be prepared. Please don't panic, just get ready. This is Stars. You guys have a great night. Thanks for watching Pandemic Watch.